Thank you so much for coming out today. Kids are dismissed for children's worship. There's only one. There isn't a children's worship class. We don't have the additional older class this week. There is the twos and threes as well. Um, so there's two actually. There isn't three this week. Um, but today we're continuing in our series Countercultural. And today we're going to look at racism. Racism. Um, my goodness, it's something that you hear everywhere right now, isn't it? Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But next week, we're going to look at the environment. Uh, the week after, we're going to look at the rise of Marxism. The next week, we're going to look at persecution. And the following week, we're going to look at hope. And so uh, we're gonna, this is going to take us until about November 8th. And um, we'll go from there. Let's pray before we start today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for your truth, which comes from your word. Father, I pray that that truth will be spoken today and that truth will be heard. Uh, Father, remove opinions and help us to understand what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Racism. Racist is one of the words that's thrown around to the point where it seems like, in all honesty, today it's lost a lot of its meaning. Everybody is called a racist for one reason or another. Is that true? Is that real? And what must we understand as a church? How should the church respond? I recently read something online, and these are, these are comments, right, that people write, so this isn't... But it was basically, basically was along the points of racist people are the ones who say that all lives matter. Really? What is racism? Racism, by definition, according to Webster, is a belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacity and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Meaning that because of my skin color, I am of more worth than someone else. That's basically what Webster is saying here, right? That, that's the understanding of what racism is, and a racist would be somebody who believes that and lives it out, correct? Um, that's what it should be. But I realize that in society today, racism is a hot-button word. It's used to point to many issues. It seems as if people don't like someone today or disagree with their beliefs. One of the words that's thrown around and quickly used to describe someone is the word racist. Which has led to what? It's led to a dilution of the severity of the word racist and of the term racism. Don't like the way that you say this? Racist. Don't agree with the organization of Black Lives Matter? Racist. Vote this way or that way? Racist. Make the statement all lives matter, including all black lives? Racist. And some of this we're going to get to when we talk about the rise of Marxism. Um, and so I, what I want you to hear today is I, I'm not looking to get into the whole political conversation that's going on outside of what racism really is. Um, today what we're going to look at is what is racism really? And what does it mean? And as a church, how, how are we to look at these things? And how are our eyes supposed to be open? How are we to respond to things along the lines of partiality. Do you know partiality is a sin? And we'll get to that in a little bit. I don't look around and believe that the majority of this nation is racist, nor do I look at the church and believe that the majority of you, or hopefully any of us, would think that because of your skin color you're worth more than anybody else. Let's be clear, that's wrong and that's sinful, and whoever believes that needs to fall on their face before God and repent. 
But similar as how we've done the past couple of sermons, let's set the foundation. Genesis chapter 1. The question of how many races are there? Well, if you're racist, thinking that one race is better than another, as Christians, what, what do we believe? Well, the Bible clearly spells out so many different things, but the one thing it spells out is that there truly is one race. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I don't know if you know this, but in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God created uh, a white couple and a black couple. No, he didn't, right? He didn't. He created two people, a man and a woman. And from that, from that, the rest of humanity exists today. And so while people oftentimes point at differences, what we first need to understand as believers, as believers, is that there is one race. It's the human race. It was created by God in his image, Acts 17, 26. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. We see that from the beginning of mankind's existence, there was one race. And from that one race, people split into different groups. I have to watch out because I went, last week I was having the words. If you want to read the words on my face, I can come out right here, right? But we're not going to do that today. But from that one race split different tribes of people. A lot of what we see today really is what we call tribalism. Meaning one group of people views themselves worth more than another group of people. God didn't create 20 groups of people with 20 different skin colors. He created two people to start the human race. God's desire was not that we walk in sin, yet that we walk with him. But in Genesis chapter 3, and you guys have heard me say this so much because we live in a Genesis 3 world, sin entered the human heart. And because of that, we see things like racism or tribalism. See, the true ultimate problem of both of these things is the heart of mankind. That the heart is wicked. That the heart is sinful. And I'll say today, and, and I, I hope you all agree with me because this is truth. A racist worldview is 100% incompatible with that of a Christian worldview. A racist worldview is 100% incompatible with that of a Christian worldview. Why? You heard me talk a lot about worldview in the beginning. Well, my worldview, a Christian worldview, says that each and every person was created in the image of Almighty God. Right? Each and every person was made in the likeness of God. My worldview says that life is sacred from the moment of conception until the moment of death. It doesn't matter what skin color, what country, what music you like, what way you dress, each and every life is sacred from the moment of birth, from the moment of conception until the moment of death. My worldview tells me that I'm to put other people in front of myself. A racist worldview is completely incompatible with a Christian worldview. You know, we talk about the importance of standing up for life, as we did a couple of weeks ago in looking at the sanctity of life. And that means we speak for all life. Christians should be willing to speak for life of every nationality, of every background. Skin color should never play into it. Yet, 
If I asked you today, if you believe that America has a race problem, what would your response be? I don't, don't, don't say it out loud. Don't say it out loud. Here's why. The Barna Research Group recently did a study in 2019 which asked American Christians, practicing Christians, if they believe that there's a race problem that exists in America. 46% of practicing Christians said that there is a race problem in America. 46%. So let's take the room a minute and go, one side thinks there isn't, one side thinks there isn't. Don't get up and switch sides. Let's break it down a little more. 38% of white practicing Christians believe that America, America has a race problem. 78% of black practicing Christians believe that America has a race problem. Did you hear that? The difference? 38. That means two out of every five white practicing Christians believe there's a race problem in America. Four, approximately, out of every five black practicing Christians believe there's a race problem in America. By the year 2020, though, those numbers changed. The overall practicing Christian perspective on a race problem in America dropped including that of the white practicing Christian dropped, yet it rose in the black practicing Christians. So, do we or don't we have a race problem in America? Well, we do. But not always in the way that it's communicated. Recently, we've watched statues being torn down of founding fathers, riots in the streets, and much more, again, which we'll touch on in a couple weeks. While at the same time, the media has ignored people like Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, they're tied to eugenics and a plan in trying to um, put more abortion facilities near places of minorities. Is there a racial problem in America? Yes. Is the media talking about the right thing? Oftentimes not. Let's be clear. But there's a narrative that's being pushed to push ratings and for political reasons in many circumstances. There are many lies, not all lies, but there are many lies that are being shared. And as Christians, we must be extremely careful to always seek the truth. That means that you do research outside of whatever, whatever your favorite news station is. It doesn't matter. You do your own research to make sure that when you speak, you're communicating truth on a certain issue. That it's not just a, a political talking point, or that it's not just someone, no matter where you stand on, on any of these issues, as, as believers, we must understand that it's our job to seek truth. That we don't just speak what you hear everyone else speaking, but that you actually do your own research and understand that there's truth. Yet we know that there's a racist problem in America because there are still white supremacists in America. There's an evil that exists. There's still sin in America. And whether we feel unaffected by racism or not, the scripture reminds us, it reminds us of this. It reminds us that in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, one member of the body, all suffer together. Now in a couple weeks we're going to look at the persecution of the church. Remember how we did that last year? If you were here with us, we took a Sunday to look at the persecuted church globally. And we talked about this verse in particular. If one member suffers, all suffer together. But when I look at the statistic of black practicing Christians and I listen to some very well respected um, in my heart different pastors and leaders it reminds me that when one member suffers, we all suffer together. And whether or not you fall on one side of this or the other, we should always be willing to listen and to hear the heart of other people. We live in the day and age when, man, we don't want to listen to any opinion but ourselves. 
And the truth is, with social media and, and things like that today, we can find whatever we want to support whatever we want, and we can defend ourselves, and we can make everybody else know about it. I mean, you know one of the things that drives me nuts is, is when you're reading a, a Facebook post or something like that, and somebody shares a, an article to support their view from their favorite news source, and then somebody else shares a different article from their favorite news source, talking about the same thing, because, you know, the truth is that we can all find, we can all find things to support one way or another. But as Christians, the Bible's so clear that we have to be people that listen. That listen. So in a world where listening is not popular anymore, let me encourage you. Seek truth and be willing to listen. The problem also is that many people try and find a solution to racism outside of the text of God's word. There is no solution to sin without the gospel. See, we, we have the answer to these things. We hold the answer to the problem of racism. And it's the gospel. Because when the gospel truly penetrates the hearts of individuals, it causes a life change. It makes you realize that, no, you're not worth more than me. And I'm not worth more than you. Jesus died for us all. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved the world. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. That's the gospel message. That the Son of God descended into a sinful, broken world. You're going to hear me say that over and over and over and over again. And it's because we as believers also need to be reminded of the gospel message. It's not something we discard when all of a sudden you're part of the family of God, man. Forget about the gospel. No, we need the gospel. It's a regular reminder of our own sinfulness, our own, in, um, our, our own failures in life. And the solution for problems with the sanctity of life, our solution for a world broken and problems of sexuality, and the solution to the issue of racism it's the gospel. See, any, any solution without the gospel is incomplete. Any solution without the gospel misses what the real problem is when it comes to these things, and it's that the human heart is terribly wicked. One of the greatest lies that Satan has ever told is that people are good. Because that's not what the Bible says. Yet God in His great mercy sent His Son to die so that we might be forgiven. If we surrender to Him, the answer has always been and the answer is the gospel message. And you and I, we are the ones that were given the responsibility of carrying that to all corners of the world. That means that in the way that we live our lives, we should be communicating the gospel message. The, the whole thing of um, preach the gospel at all times and if, if words use and if necessary, use words. You know what I'm saying with that? Have you heard that before? It's one of my least favorite quotes, yet in this instance, it works really well. Because you, you need words to preach the gospel, right? But in the way that we live our lives, we should constantly 
be preaching the love of Jesus Christ. So what about, what about me? Tony, I am not a racist. I know that. You know that. I don't think I'm special or worth more based on my skin color. And I hope you hear me today that I'm not telling you that you are. However, we should all regularly evaluate our hearts for the sin of partiality. Through the series, my heart has been to look at these topics through the lens of Scripture and look at practical things that we can do to live lives to point people to Jesus. While I do not look around again and believe that the majority of America is racist, the majority in the church, I do think that the church can struggle with the sin of partiality. You know what I'm talking about when I say the sin of partiality? In a way, it's a little bit similar to racism. Now we elevate one person over another based on a certain set of circumstances. So we're going we're gonna to look at this today because again, my heart is to bring practical ways that we can live out our faith in this series while looking at biblical issues. James chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. So you can follow along on the screen, you can open up in your Bible. Here's what we see. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing, and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do not murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It points us back to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine if we really loved other people the way that we love ourselves? On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. I, listen, I realize there's a whole bunch that's being discussed in James chapter 2. Um, and, and unfortunately, due to time this morning, we're not going to be able to get into all of it. Um, but one of the things that, that I look at and I think is, is so important as believers, when we talk about things like racism or things like prejudice, is that we realize that the sin of partiality exists. And oftentimes, it exists within the church. Now, it might be easy to say, you know, Tony, I, I'm not a racist, I don't do this, but are you guilty of the sin of partiality? Maybe it's partiality even based off of skin color. 
Maybe it's based off of someone's economic status, someone's ability, someone's looks, someone's smell, the way someone's dressed. If we're to love each person as ourselves, it's, it's, what a high calling. It can only be fulfilled through God's strength in our lives. Do you struggle with treating people differently because of one thing or another? Maybe it's not even on purpose. It's just what happens. You know, I, I remember hearing a story of a church. And the church had a group of people, um, kids, that would come off the street who were involved in drugs. And there was someone that knew them that would bring them to church. And these kids looked rough. They looked rough. Because um, they came straight off the street. They didn't have anything else. They didn't have clothes to get a shower and change into. Yet they were at church. And they came to the assembly. Now the response of the church and of different people was different. Some looked at them and said, my goodness, I'm so glad they're here. Some people said, well, I, don't, I don't want to sit by them. Some people said, uh, the thought process was, well, if they're going to come, let's, let's put them in the back. This wasn't that long ago. Um, the sin of partiality is, is a real sin, and it exists in the church. It's similar in ways to the sin of racism. And while today, as we look and you hear so much about racism, and you know in your own heart that you don't value one life over another, I think at times, within the church, we can be guilty of partiality. And it's something we have to check our own hearts on a regular basis about. Lord, search my heart, search my thoughts, and show me if there's any grievous way in me. See, that should be our prayer. Because as we see a nation that, that is so torn and so divided and that there's so much pain and heartache, there should be no argument about how much pain exists right now in this country. Anger. My goodness, the anger. I'm sure you've seen it. The way that people treat one another. And I think what the, as the church, what we have to do is really ask ourselves the question, do we really love our neighbors as ourselves? Do we really do that? Now, now hear me when I say this today, is that this is something that you can't do by yourself. You're an awesome person. And I like you. But you cannot love your neighbor by yourself by yourself. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself by yourself. It's like tongue twisters. It's only through the power of the Spirit in your life. And that comes in surrendering to God. God, listen, I, I realize I, I struggle. I struggle with this person. I struggle with that person. I struggle with, with people that dress this way when they come to church. Or people that look this way. Or people that smell this way. I, I just I can't deal with this right now anymore. I can't stand people that, that write this stuff on Facebook and, and handle this. We don't even, we're not even voting for the same person. How can we be friends? Yet when we look at what Jesus says in Matthew 22, love your neighbor as yourself, we realize, we realize that there's no stipulations that Christ puts on that. Love your neighbor as yourself, Unless, unless they don't smell good. Then, then love them half the way you love yourself. 
love your neighbor as yourself unless they're from a different culture than you, then don't worry about it. In the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Love your neighbor as yourself unless, uh, unless they're voting differently than you, then <laughs> love them a little bit less. No. Love your neighbor as yourself. But first make sure that you're walking with the Lord. Listen, you're, you're going to continue to hear. I, I, uh, it's, we're going to continue to hear the conversation of, of racism. And, and it is a real thing. And it is a real problem in this country. As it is in every country around the world. There are certain people who view that their lives are more important than others. That is despicable in the eyes of God. And is completely incompatible with the Christian worldview. We as the church, we're the different ones. Our response should be that each and every person is made in the image of God and we value the life of each and every person. We value the story of each and every person. And in everything that we do, we seek to love God first with everything that we are and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's not easy. When we were Word of Life, uh, we had a little slogan that went with our church. And it was, love Jesus, love people. Love Jesus, love people. And if you're able to ingrain that in your mind, love Jesus, love people. Jesus comes first. People come second. It helps. It helps. Hey, thanks for, thanks for walking with me through this one. Uh, I realize that there are probably some of you sitting out there who wish I would have hit harder on certain topics and maybe some of you who think I hit too hard on other topics. The reality of it is, is this is an extremely controversial issue. However, the scripture is very clear that each life was made in the image of God and that we as Christians should have no part in anything racist. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for who you are. God, with creativity beyond our understanding. God, as, as we look at creating Adam and Eve, knowing what would come in the future and, and all of the cultures that have come out, all of the beauty that has come out through your creation, God, we, we thank you. You are such a creative God. God, help us to check our own hearts in life. To look and, and say, God, do I struggle with the sin of partiality? Do I struggle with the sin of racism? It has no place in your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would give us strength to live out your truth. That Jesus came to die because of a sinful, wicked heart. And that salvation salvation is available to all who call on the name of Jesus. Father, help us to live out your love, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.